You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Jack Ward and David Alt, the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid of audio drama. Without the dramatic freeze frame death scene at the end. Continue down the corridor, 13 drachmas, and then proceed left, 48 degrees. So you are the David from this timeline. Last time I checked, of course. And you're me from the past. Past wondering about it, more likely. The question is, how do I get myself back to the past, and more importantly, the Videk, from stealing both of our futures? Enough! Bring them both to the main processing central command. There, Vidrex will decide what to do with these copies. Copies? As if. We're the real things. I will have you know... Thing, actually. Temporarily pluralized, but biologically sound. Yeah, what he said. Enough! They are attempting a Kirk Force level robotic circular illogic confusion argument. We are rated Shrek 2.0 compatible, impervious to such diversions. It was an admirable try. Yeah, no harm in a little test drive of these Videx, you know. Kick the tires, check under the bonnet and all that. Did he say left or right 46%? Left! 48 degrees! How long do we have? Gather another full pod cycle before things get moving. What's playing? Our fair city's Herbert West versus the Martians and a new series of Hindu mythology stories, this one from episode 19, Draupadi's Insult. Well, would you look at that? I'm beside myself. Well, again. You idiots. Why did you bring them here? Because I have ordered it. Vidrex? Vidrex. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by the company you depend upon for all of your greatest needs, Heart Life. These stories are true dramatizations from our fair city's glorious history. So listen and remember, Heart Life, all the life you'll ever need. A relentless, unforgiving wind cuts across the frozen, lifeless plains. Once, long ago, the city of Old Hartford stood here. Now, though, there is only snow and cold and death. Out of this wasteland triumphantly rises that last remnant of civilization, the Heartlife Tower. While most of those who call the Heartlife Corporation home live in the extensive network of tunnels deep beneath the earth, the tower itself remains a symbol of hope, a constant as ever-present and unchanging as the hostile landscape that surrounds it. Or as unchanging as the landscape is most of the time. As the steam rises from the impact site of the meteorite, a solitary pair of figures make their way across the otherwise empty tracks of endless snow. 
in defiance of both nature and corporate policy. That rogue scientist, that reanimator extraordinaire, that unnatural disaster of science, Dr. Herbert West, makes his way to the edge of the crater alongside his hapless assistant, Andrew Snidge. What sinister purpose brings them here? What unearthly horror do they plan to unleash? What insidious plot have they prepared? One, two, three. Welcome back! Oh. It's a jolly good entity for it's a jolly good entity for Andrew. it's a jolly good entity Andrew. which no earthly power can defy. You can put the sign away, Andrew. This is not the color out of space. What is it? I have no idea. Isn't that marvelous? I do so love a mystery. Now, let's see. Smooth, cylindrical design, approximately 30 meters in length. Unknown metallic alloy. Uh, Dr. West, there's something in there. Naturally, Andrew. Do you think 30-meter hollowed-out perfect cylinders of unknown composition occur in nature? No. Of course they do. Somewhere, in theory. But this certainly isn't one of them. How do you know? Because the lid has slowly been screwing off while we've been talking. It's opening? Oh, this is exciting. I wonder what's inside. Humanoid life forms? Insectoid life forms? <gasps> Space-bearing protozoa? Possibilities are endless. Uh, a tripod device. Oh, how splendid. I haven't seen a tripod device in years. Bravo. Really well done. Yes, hello. Just admiring the design of your transport. Very chic. Uh, Dr. West? Oh, but look at me. Gosh, allow me to introduce myself. Dr. West, I don't like the look of that glow. I am Dr. Herbert West. But please... Call me. Look out! Run! Look at us! Running away from a tripod, being fired on by heat ray. Dreams really do come true. Heat ray? Don't you mean laser? No, actually, you see, a heat ray and a laser differ in that. Oh, you know, perhaps another time. For now, why don't we make for that dead disposal field? Right. Is it, is it following us? No. It appears to have been distracted by the tower. Attention, outside. Thank you for your interest in the Heartlife Corporation. We regret to inform you that we are not accepting new policies at this time. If you would like to leave a resume, we will keep it on file for up to 60 days. If you have any further inquiries, please wait at a representative from the department of M-U-R-D-E-R. We'll be with you shortly. Thank you and have a go. And now it's attacking the tower. What? It can't do that. The 18th and 23rd floors would disagree with you. And the 30th. And the 17th. We have to do something. Andrew, I never took you for a company man. I, well, I, I'm not. It's just, it's the tower, you know. The tower. Ah, the indelible power of symbols. Still, sentimentality is no reason to get involved. <gasps> oh, look, it's emitting a black smoke nerve gas into the broken windows. 
What will they think of next? You know, if we took down the tripod, you'd probably get a better look at that heat ray. Hmm. Now there is a cogent scientific reason to meddle. Well done, Andrew. All right, what's the plan? Well, we are in a field of dead bodies. What? No, remember what happened last time? Of course I do, Andrew. Honestly, people assume I never learn from my mistakes. Formula 761 will grant me far more control over the undead than did 760. Well, I guess it couldn't hurt to reanimate one or two dead bodies. Yes, one or two or all of them. All of them? But there are hundreds! Thousands! How? By using this handy aerosol dispersal system. Gas masks on! Uh, I don't have a gas mask. Well, try not to breathe then. Here we go. <clears throat> Dr. West, I breathed in the gas. Well, I wouldn't worry. I doubt there will be any lasting side effects until you die. What? Dr. West, are you sure about this? Perfectly confident. Watch. Everyone, put your left hand in. Now take your left hand out. Now put your left hand in and... Dr. West! Right. Enough fun. <clears throat> Wait, was that bullhorn? Hello! Extraterrestrial invaders! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Over here. Hello. My name is Dr. Herbert West. Please call me Herbert. <laughs> What was that? It's pan-galactic space mollusk reformed. I'm conversational. May I ask, with whom am I speaking? What did it say? Susan. Its name is Susan? Well, its proper name is impronounceable without a slime bladder. Then why did you say Susan? Would you rather negotiate with an unnameable tentacled horror from beyond the stars or Susan? My assistant and I could not help but notice you are attacking the Hot Life Tower. Is there anything we can do for you? You want blood? Is that all? Well, there's no need to go around causing property damage. I'm sure that we can come up. You want all the blood. Would you possibly be willing to settle for some of the blood? No, I thought not. Honestly, you're as bad as Vlad. One moment while I confer with my undead horde. Off you go, then. Attack. Good. That should buy us some time. Now, for one last device. If I can just remember how to fit this back together... What's the tripod doing, Andrew? It's using that black smoke. <laughs> Which naturally won't work on the undead. Now, I believe this goes here. I think they figured that out. No matter. I'm ready. What is that? It's called a rocket launcher. How does it work? Vastly. <laughs> Science prevails! Oh, bugger all. Look out! Did we do anything? I might have dinged the sides a bit. <laughs> Look on the bright side, Andrew. We're about to be incinerated. How's that a bright side? Well, you don't have to worry about joining the ranks of the ravenous Woken Dead. Hmm. Curious. Are we dead yet? Uh, no. In fact, something appears to be wrong with the tripod. It's 
teetering. Is it dead? It would appear so. Let's see. There we are. Shall we? <gasps> Alien life forms. Indeed, and all deceased. Did we get him? No. It was the cold. Ah, after all man's defenses failed, it was the humble virus. The common cold that did them in. What? No, 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 no. Even a three-tentacled space squid can find a way around a hermetic seal. No, they were killed by the cold. The temperature. They froze to death. They seem to have been under the impression that our climate was going to be quite warm. Ah, no wonder. The last global temperature scan was over 400 years ago. It really pays off to update those climatological projections. Especially when one is covered in an external mucus layer that freezes so easily. Oh, Christmas! This one's still alive. Should we kill it? Andrew, what did I tell you? Never let vengeance, justice, ethics, or common decency stand in the way of scientific discovery. You left out torch-wielding mobs and dental appointments, but you got the gist. Now, hand me my instruments. Oh, no, no. These are my dissection tools. This creature is still alive. I need my vivisection tools. Right. Uh, here you go. Now, now. Monster is such an ugly word. Please, call me Herbert. And so, just as quickly as it began, the attack on the city comes to a fitting end. Not even the most intelligent and advanced of outsiders can survive for long on the desolate surface. But where these creatures fail, heart life succeeds. Its tower, though damaged, still stands. Within the warm confines of the city, the company endures. For no force from far-off stars can possibly compare to our fair city. The Stories of Mahabharata Retold by Shudipta Bhaumik Welcome, dear friends, to another episode of The Stories of Mahabharata. In the last episode, we heard how Yudhishthira was lured into the game of dice and how Shakuni defeated him to win all his possessions, including his brothers and his wife, Draupadi, as the slaves of Duryodhana. Shakuni raised his hand and rolled the pieces in his palms. The pieces rattled as Shakuni shook them in his hand. And then with a loud crash, they landed on the board and rolled off to the edge before stopping. Shakuni yelled, I win! win! 
Duryodhana called Vidura and said, Uncle, go and fetch Draupadi to the court. She doesn't belong to the royal chambers anymore. Let her get busy working with the maids to clean the floors. His brothers broke into rapturous laughter. Vidura said, Only an evil man like you could utter these disgusting words. Draupadi cannot be your maid because Yudhishthira lost his rights as a husband when he placed her as his bet. Duryodhana, let me warn you once again. Stop this and return everything to Yudhishthira. Else, death won't be far for you or your brothers. Duryodhana ignored Vidura. He turned towards one of his attendants and said, Pratikami, go to the palace and bring Draupadi to the court. Tell her that her lord Duryodhana is calling her. Pratikami stood up and bowed to Prince Duryodhana. And then he left the hall to fetch Draupadi. Pratikami, Duryodhana's attendant, entered the inner quarters of the palace. He walked up to Draupadi's room and knocked on the door. Draupadi was preparing for her bath. She wore a long piece of white silk that draped loosely around her body. A maid massaged her arms and legs with aromatic oils. She gestured the maids to stop and asked, Who's this? It's me, Pratikami, son of the royal charioteer. May I come in? Come in, said Draupadi. Pratikami entered the room with his eyes to the ground, but the intoxicating lotus fragrance from Draupadi made her presence quite conspicuous. She asked, What do you want, Pratikami? O queen, King Yudhishthira bet his brothers and himself in the game of dice and lost to Duryodhana. He also bet you and lost you. Duryodhana now owns you and has ordered me to bring you to the assembly hall. Please, come with me. Pratikami's voice trembled as he uttered these words. Draupadi couldn't believe her ears. She felt as if the ground was shaking under her feet. She could feel a surge of anger run through her veins and and tried hard to control herself. She looked at Pratikami and said, Pratikami, go back to the hall and ask Yudhishthira. Whom did he lose first? Me or him? Pratikami went back to the assembly hall and asked Yudhishthira the question. Yudhishthira didn't answer and sat still like a dead man. Duryodhana said, Go back and tell Draupadi she must come here and ask her question. Pratikami went back to Draupadi and passed on the message. Draupadi said, Ask the wide and learned seniors in the court, What should I do? I'll do whatever they suggest. Pratikami asked, but the seniors kept silent with their eyes to the floor. Duryodhana was getting impatient. He yelled at Pratikami, Do as I say! Bring Draupadi to the assembly floor! Pratikami was scared. He said in a feeble voice, But, but Prince Duryodhana, what should I tell her? Duryodhana looked at the Sashana and said, Brother, 
This fool is scared to bring Draupadi because he is afraid of Bhima. You go and bring her to the hall and if she doesn't obey my orders, then don't hesitate to use force. Dushasana stomped through the halls and entered Draupadi's chambers. He stood at the door with his arms on his hips and roared, Draupadi, your husband has lost you in gambling. You are now our slave and you must obey our orders. Shed off your pride and come with me to the court. Your lord awaits you. Scared, Draupadi tried to flee. She ran towards the adjoining room where the other Kaurava ladies lived. But Dusashna jumped in front of her and grabbed her by her hair. How dare you try to escape me? Come with me, you slave! Dusashna yanked Draupadi by her hair and dragged her out of the door. Draupadi screamed in pain. Let me go! Let me go! You hurtless brute! I am not in a proper attire to appear in the court! Let me go, I say! Let me go! Dushashana laughed and said, I don't care if you're dressed or undressed. You are our slave and your duty is to please us. Come with me! <laughs> Dushashana dragged Draupadi to the assembly hall in her disheveled clothes and threw her down to the floor. <laughs> Draupadi tried her best to cover her body and as she stood up in front of the assembled king's men. By now... Her shame and humiliation has transformed into pure rage. With a staccato voice, she said, Dusashana, you will pay for this with your life. Even if the gods want to protect you, the Pandavas would never spare you. She looked at the seated Kuru seniors and said, I have been humiliated and dragged down in front of you, the great heroes of the Kuru dynasty. But why don't I hear a single voice of protest? What happened to the great Bhishma, Drona, Vidura? What happened to the great King Dhritarashtra? Are you all dead? Are you blind? Can't you see how morality and decency are being destroyed in this family? How could you sit still and enjoy this inhuman behavior of your own descendants? Is this what you have learned in your scriptures? Dusashana pushed her down to the floor and cheered. Stop squealing, you slave! <laughs> Karna joined the laughter and so did Shakuni. But Draupadi's humiliation was not enjoyed by all in the audience. Many hid their tears but couldn't say anything. They were either too afraid to protest didn't have any solid logic to support her helplessness. After all, she was lost in the game by her own husband. Bhishma coughed a little to clear his voice and then said, <clears throat> My dear Draupadi, the laws of morality are complex and subtle. I am afraid I won't be able to give you the right answer to your question. Yudhishthira who has always followed the path of truth, has himself accepted his defeat. It was Shakuni's skill that motivated Yudhishthira to accept his challenge and play the game. And I see no reason to believe that Shakuni used any unfair means to defeat him. 
that's not true, said Draupadi. Yudhishthira didn't want to play with Shakuni. He was asked to play the game against his will. Yudhishthira is pure-hearted. And Kurun grasped Duryodhana's conspiracy and Shakuni's deceptive tricks. That's why he was defeated. But you, the wise Kuru seniors, use your judgment and tell me if I was won by Duryodhana or not. Bhima was seething in anger. Till now he had controlled himself because of Yudhishthira. But Draupadi's humiliation broke his restraint. He jumped up from his seat and in a thunderous voice he yelled at Yudhishthira. Even the worst of gamblers won't bet his concubine, let alone his wife. At least they have some humanity and kindness in them, but you don't. Our enemies stole our kingdom and our wealth by trickery and deceit. That didn't anger me since you were the owner of all. But Draupadi is the wife of the mighty Pandavas. She shouldn't have to suffer this insult and misery. This cruel and low-life Kauravas had the audacity to torture her only because of you. I will set to flames those hands of yours which played the evil game of dice. Sahadeva, fetch me some fire. Bhima's anger scared everybody in the hall. Arjuna stood up to calm him down. Brother Bhima, please control yourself. Yudhishthira is our elder brother. It is our duty to follow him and support him in whatever he does. And you know very well, Yudhishthira would never do anything immoral. Trust me, we will have our chance to get back at them later. Arjuna pulled Bhima back to his seat. Just then, Vikarna, one of Duryodhana's 99 brothers, stood up to say something. He was panting with excitement and was continuously rubbing his hands. Vikarna said, Since nobody wants to answer Draupadi's legitimate question, let me say what I feel is right and justified. Hunting, drinking, gambling and womanizing are the four worst addictions of a king. A man who suffers from these vices fall from the path of righteousness and virtue. And a man's action under the influence of his addiction can never be considered to be valid or justified. Yudhishthira was addicted to gambling and he bet Draupadi under the influence. Hence, his actions cannot be valid. Besides, Yudhishthira bet her after losing himself. Hence, Draupadi could not have been lost in the game. She is free. Vikarna's comments raised a major storm in the hall. Many agreed to his logic and praised him while criticizing Shakuni and Duryodhana. Enraged by Vikarna's disloyalty, Karna yelled at him, Vikarna, stop babbling like a moron. You are a child and you don't know the first thing about morality and virtue. The seniors are not commenting because they have a justified reason to do so. Yudhishthira had lost Draupadi when he bet all his possessions, which included Draupadi. Still, with a clear and unambiguous voice, he gambled her again. None of the Pandava brothers raised their voice in protest. And with their silence, they too gave their consent. So, what are you complaining about? Also listen, as per the Vedas, a woman can only have one husband. Draupadi has many, hence she is nothing more than a prostitute. 
and now stop lamenting for her and show your support for your brother Duryodhana. Shakuni has won the Pandavas along with all their belongings, including Draupadi. They are now nothing more than slaves. The Sashana, go and take off the clothes from the Pandavas and Draupadi. Let's see how our slaves look naked. The Pandava brothers took off the scarves that covered their upper body while Draupadi stood clenching her silk robe that covered her. The Sashana walked up to her and grabbed one end of her robe. Draupadi helplessly looked at her husbands, hoping they would rise from their stupor and do something. But they sat still with their head hung low. The rowdy laughter of the Sashana and the Kaurava brothers didn't reach their ears. The Sashana pulled one end of Draupadi's robe and she spun around, exposing large portions of her skin. With folded palms, she cried out, O Lord Vishnu, O Lord Krishna, save me from this insult. Protect me from this unbearable humiliation. Please save me. But her cries didn't stop the Sashana. He pulled Draupadi's robe again and again. But this time, she did not spin around. The Sashana kept pulling her robe, but the fabric seemed to expand in a continuous stream without exposing a single inch of Draupadi's body. The Sashana kept on pulling and the fabric kept on flowing. Soon the assembly floor filled up with piles of silk drawn by the Sashana. The audience was amazed to witness this miracle. They all raised up on their feet and hailed Draupadi and rebuked the Sashana. Exhausted, the Sashana finally gave up and sat down to take his breath. Bhima was grinding his teeth in frustration and rage. He couldn't keep quiet any longer. He yelled, Listen all who are present here today. If one day in the battlefield I don't tear open the chest of this scoundrel, the Sashan, and drink his blood, then I won't attain the abode of my ancestors. This I promise. Hearing Bhima's terrible oath, the Kauravas shuddered in fear. The kings and royalties in the audience cursed the Sashana for his obscene behavior. Vidura said, Dear assemblymen, why are you not responding to poor Draupadi's questions? Say something. Vikarna has spoken from his hurt. You should too. The men in the assembly didn't respond. Karna said, The Sashana, take your slave Draupadi to her quarters. The Sashana got up on his feet and once again grabbed Draupadi's hair and yanked her. Let me go! Let me go! Didn't you hear what Bhima said? The Sashana laughed and dragged her to the floor. Draupadi looked at the Kuru seniors and said, How could you sit still and watch your daughter treated with such cruelty? Are the glory days of the Kuru dynasty over? What evil spirit has clouded your judgment? Tell me, tell me, am I a slave? Am I a slave or not? Answer me! Bhishma, with tearful eyes, said, I told you, my dear, justice and morality are too complicated to decipher. Hence, I cannot answer your question with certainty. But one thing I can say for sure, 
The Kauravas have succumbed to greed and malice, and their days are numbered. No one can stop their destruction. But for your question, I think only Yudhishthira can give you the right answer. Duryodhana laughed at Draupadi and said, <laughs> All right, all right, let Bhima, Arjuna, and the other brothers proclaim that Yudhishthira is not your husband. Let them say that Yudhishthira is a liar and I will give you freedom. Or let the son of Dharma himself say if he is your husband or not. Maybe that will clarify your doubts. Huh? <laughs> Bhima stood up and raised his powerful arms. If Yudhishthira... Our guru and leader didn't restrain me. I would have never tolerated your insolent behavior, yelled at Duryodhana. If he permits, I can kill you all with a single blow of my fist. But Yudhishthira did not bat an eyelid. He sat there in a dumb stupor, as if he had no consciousness. Duryodhana looked at him and said, your brothers are waiting for your command. Huh? Why don't you say something? Why don't you answer your beloved Draupadi? Huh? <laughs> Karna walked up to Draupadi and said, Pretty slave, it seems Yudhishthira has no interest in you. I say, forget him. Find a new husband or husbands for yourself. You will find many men in the slave quarters. The Kauravas broke into a huge laughter at Karna's mockery. <laughs> Duryodhana uncovered his thigh and with a vulgar gesture, he slapped on it and winked at Draupadi. Draupadi closed her eyes in disgust. Bhima roared in anger. Bursting with rage, he said to Duryodhana, You scoundrel! How dare you show such disrespect to Draupadi! One day... If I don't break that thigh of yours with a blow of my mace, then let the doors of heaven be forever closed for me. Bhima's open threat ran shivers down the spines of the men assembled. Vidura said to the Kauravas, You sons of Dhritarashtra, beware of Bhimsena. He can cause immense pain to you all. Great danger awaits you that you cannot even think of. You have disregarded the rules of the game of dice. You have crossed all boundaries of decency by dragging in your family's woman to, into the court and violating her dignity in the worst possible way. This court had lost all its credibility. For here, justice and morality has been corrupted. Just then, a jackal cried out from near the fire temple of Tritarashtra. Donkeys brayed and vultures screamed in the sky. Hearing these horrible ominous sounds, Gandhari, Drona and other Brahmins got scared. They warned Dhritarashtra that something terrible would happen soon unless he stopped the Kauravas from going too far. As if waking up from a deep slumber, Dhritarashtra cried out, You fool Duryodhana! You have insulted Draupadi! The wife of my beloved nephews, the Pandavas, death awaits you for your unpardonable sin. Then he turned to Draupadi and said, 
Panchali, you are the best amongst my daughter-in-laws. You are the most faithful and virtuous woman in our family. Ask anything you want from me. Draupadi sat down in front of Dhritarashtra's feet and said, O king, if you'd like to grant me a wish, then please release Yudhishthira from his slavery. Let no one call my son Pratibindya the son of a slave. Dhritarashtra raised his hand and said, I grant your wish. Yudhishthira is free. What else do you wish for? Draupadi said, Then, then release Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula and Sahadeva from their slavery. Dhritarashtra said, So be it. They are all free now. But two wishes are not enough for you. Tell me, tell me, what more do you want? Draupadi said, Thank you, O king. But I don't want anything more. My husbands are free. They can reconstruct their life by their own deeds. Karna was surprised at Draupadi's magnanimous gesture. He said, I've never heard of any woman do what Draupadi did just now. She has rescued the Pandavas just as a boat rescues a drowning man. Bhima came to Yudhishthira and said, Allow me, brother. Let me crush these evil Kaurava brothers right now. Yudhishthira stopped him. He said, Bhima, please stay calm. This is not the time. He then came in front of Dhritarashtra, knelt before him and said, O king, we are always at your service. Tell me, what should we do now? Dhritarashtra said, My dear Yudhishthira, I give you back your kingdom, your wealth and all your possessions. Go back to Indraprastha and rule as you have ruled before. Forget this evil day and do not keep any grudge against Duryodhana. I had agreed to this game only to see you and watch you play once again with your brothers. I, I never thought it would turn out to be so ugly. But you have retained your calm and acted well following the path of truth and righteousness. With you as the king and Vidura as the minister, the Kuru dynasty has nothing to worry about. Remember, you and your brothers are always in our minds and we always wish you well. Go back to Indraprastha and live in peace with your brothers forever. The Stories of Mahabharata is written, directed, and told by Shudipta Bomek. Audio engineering, original music, and sound design by Avi Ziv. The podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons non-commercial license. Find us online at facebook.com slash Mahabharata podcast. Join the group for updates and news. Subscribe to the podcast using iTunes or any podcast catcher.
The Sonic Society Season 10 is written and produced by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music provided by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society through Creative Commons licensing. The Sonic Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Jack Ward and David Alt. The Butch... <laughs> Apparently you enjoy listening to audio dramas since you're hearing this message. I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind... Make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon, your ears and brain will thank you.